Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. 2019, I got, you know, uh, really deep back into forging again because, you know, my business was doing all right without me. And uh, then I met my business partner, Ron Cormier. Um, Most people know him from uh, Finex Cast Iron fame. He's the co-founder of that. And uh, he was looking for a new project. Um, And, uh, you know, we met, started talking knives. He was looking to get in the knife business. Um, I was, you know, looking for a way to go full-time uh, in this and then we started talking and looking around the, the market and um, most of these things were just kind of a pipe dream when we when we started when like, it comes to remodeling and renovating your home there is a lot to know the lead got you coming this is around the house welcome to the around the house show this is where we talk everything around your home every single week thanks for joining us today we're going a little bit of a different direction today, which is so exciting to me. Eitan Zayas from Steelport Knife. Welcome to Around the House, brother. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you, man. And you guys got my attention because I like tools and I like well-crafted stuff. And I saw what you guys are making here in the U.S. And quite frankly, it's close to my house. Convenient, but dude, beautiful, beautiful kitchen knives. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, we're doing things a little bit differently. That kind of started with the question of why isn't anybody making this kind of knife in the U.S.? And then trying to bring it back here. Absolutely. I mean, and, and I saw in a news story that you guys are actually, you know, shipping knives over to Japan. And so when a U.S. company is shipping U.S. made knives over to Japan, that's something different. Yeah, that's a big, it's uh, a big feather in our cap. Uh, we've been, uh, yeah, I mean, I, like a lot of other people have been obsessed with Japanese knives for, you know, 20 plus years now. And just to sure. have knives go that way, it's pretty amazing. It's like if we were making prosciutto and sending it to Italy, and it was well received. So Perfect example. Perfect <laughs> yeah. example. And you guys are doing it well. And Let's dive into it because I know there's a lot of people out there. They're going, what are you guys talking about with this steel port thing? Let's talk about how you guys craft this stuff because then we'll get into kind of your background here as well. But these knives and I've, I've held them in my hand when I came down to visit you in the shop and that is beautiful. It is a not just something pretty to put on the wall. It is something that is so finely crafted and balanced. It's gorgeous, too. Uh, well, yeah, thanks again. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're definitely about both. You know, we like, you know, we like a knife to be good looking and, you know, um, well made, but we're all about the function side of it. So um, Steelport, we're on a mission to reintroduce people to carbon steel knife and traditional mm-hmm. knife making. Um, so two things that just we think we should never have strayed from. You know, um, we can make really good knives in the U.S. We're really good at making uh, folding knives and hunting knives and tactical stuff. Uh, But no one seemed to really care about kitchen knives. 
and mm-hmm. um, everybody is just making them overseas. You know, most of the you know most of what people think are U.S. made knives are actually made in China, um, and everything is just dominated by the Japanese now. Before that, it was the Germans. Um, so yeah, we are uh, we are uh, rare in uh, the fact that we are actually forging carbon steel knives um, from rod stock. So the main reason to forge a knife yeah. is for uh, strength, controlling the grain, and making a knife that is all one solid piece where you don't have to use any um, any pins. There's no weak spots. There's no you know uh, soldering and welding and any of that stuff. So uh, yeah, so we're making a knife at fifty two one hundred rod steel. Um, forged into a solid piece construction, integral bolster, integral end cap, uh, differential heat treat on it, uh, which is a very unique feature to us because it has to be done one by one. So none of the you know none of the companies are willing to do that kind of work. Uh, but yeah, there's 65 Rockwell on the yeah. edge, which is you know it's I mean not not only harder than any other American knife out there, but it you know exceeds most of the Japanese stuff and the actual, the manufacturer specs for the steel. Um, but nice. yeah, so our, our goal here is just to make a knife that is, you know, um, you know, very sharpenable, holds an edge for a long time and is still durable, uh, which are all kind of competing ideals there. Well, I love that you guys have that, yeah. uh, that dual heat treatment on that knife blade because, you know, knives, anybody that's watched like the forged and fire series and all that stuff out there, you have that fine line that you're walking between something that is super hard and brittle and soft and doesn't hold an edge. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have, you know, so a lot of people like the German style knives because they're just tanks, you know, you can, you know, split a chicken with them Mm -hmm. and then go about your business, but they're thick, soft blades and they wedge and they don't cut well and they don't hold well. And there's, you know, they don't function well except for durability. And then you have the Japanese knives, uh, which are just laser thin, super hard, sharpenable, hold an edge, but will chip if you just look at them wrong. You know, so um, in I've the done US, that to mine. we've been. I have, a, I have one. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm a, I'm a, you know, I've been a professional knife sharpener for the past 15 years and I've seen every every type of damage on a knife on a daily basis. So, you know, so that's oh, yeah. kind of where, you know, it's, that's a lot of where this knowledge comes from. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, we've been making, uh, uh, we think better knives in the U S uh, than a lot of these other countries because we didn't have this tradition that we're stuck to. Uh, so in the U S we're yeah. able to just learn and take the best attributes of all these different, um, of all these different traditions and uh, performance aspects, and we're able to combine them into one. You know, uh, the problem is people, you know, we have, we, we make excellent knives here, but they're all made by individual custom makers uh, who can produce one or two knives a week, maybe big waiting list, big, you know, uh, price tags. Uh, to, yeah, um, yeah. So the idea is how to take that American tradition and, um, and make it more um, just kind of streamline the process without cutting any corners. Um, our tagline is craftsmanship without compromise. And we hold very true to that. So without cutting corners, how can we just make the process better, faster, um, and get the same results just in a larger format? And uh, surprisingly, we still do that with a very small team. We're about, there's about yeah, yeah, yeah. We are we are under uh, yeah. There's under ten in the company. Is about five of us on the actual workshop floor. Um, 
so it's pretty uh yeah i'm i'm i mean if i may say so myself i'm pretty impressed with our output <laughs> you know for this small team no kidding yeah you guys are doing yeah. great over there and and what's beautiful yeah. too is that I love the finish you put on the knives because so many people are used to seeing, oh, this polished, you know, the Japanese style, which are just super polished. And then you have the German style, which is a little bit different. And I love with the carbon steel, the patina you guys put on it from the factory. Yeah. So there's a few reasons for that. So, um, you know, patina is a patina is an inter- uh, interesting subject, right? Some people, they mm-hmm. just it's something that they just put up with. Right. In order to get the benefits out of using carbon steel, uh, for some people, it is their main reason to use carbon steel. Um, you know, I've had people that buy it just because they like the way it patinas. And the reason we patina our blades is there's a couple of reasons. So, you know, carbon steel, the reason we strayed away from carbon steel about 50 years ago is uh, because it is more reactive. So it'll rust easier and it will stain easier if you neglect your knife. And right. um, so patina happens naturally. Uh, based on what you cut, where you cut, you know, uh, you know, proteins will turn it more like blues and purples, uh, acidic stuff and vegetables are more like grays and blacks. Um, so, um, you know, wh- whether or not you like patina, it will happen. It's a necessary, healthy part of using a carbon steel knife. So um, we do two things to make the knife less reactive. And one is we uh, put a full polish on our blade before patina. So uh, if your uh, blade is polished and there is no, um, there's basically less room for any moisture to sit in, and that makes mm-hmm. it a lot easier to keep up with. And then we pre-patina it, and uh, all we do is we just soak it in coffee, in hot coffee, and that brings out that color. So we we we're trying to use as many natural um, ingredients as we can. We're trying to stay away from the harmful chemicals. Normally, I would use ferric chloride when I was etching a knife. Yep. Um, but we tried everything here. Uh, you know, uh, coffee is a, you know, it's a Portland cliche uh, that we ended up with, yep. but we actually ended up with because it was the best result. We tried, you know, wine and teas and vinegars and everything that you can imagine that is acidic. Um, coffee had the best results. And uh, the reason we need to etch the, the blade and apply a patina on it is because it is a quality check for us. So with the um, you know, when you heat treat the blade, then you can see where the soft steel and the hard steel meet. Uh, but once you grind it, you really can't. And as a quality control, uh, we need to make sure that we got that line correct. Uh, once you etch a blade, everything, there's, there's just nothing to hide behind. So if there's any imperfections in the steel, any, you know, cold shuts, soft spots, hard spots where they're not supposed to be, uh, everything shows up. And so we need to do that as part of the process. We decided to just do that right at the end. And that way the customer can see that we got the heat treat right. And it brings out the grain flow. So um, a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, they ask us if it's a Damascus blade because you can see, you know, you can see steel banding and grain flow going through the uh, blade and it isn't. It just, it's part of the forging process, the patina and the polish bring it out. Um so yeah, and it just makes the the knife look different. A lot of people who are who are not used to carbon steel, yeah, it, yeah. it just makes for something just cool and yeah. sexy, and it, lo- it looks good in yeah, the house so. too. That's great. And then your handles, my gosh, man, I love wood, but what you guys are doing with those walnut yeah. handles, 
that is sexy as well. And, and how you guys treat that to, to withstand the effects of time. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think I mentioned everything. So uh, or if I didn't mention everything we do is U.S. made. Um, the only thing that we don't, you know, we don't produce any steel in Oregon. So we get the raw material from the Midwest. But otherwise, we try to keep everything in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to use, um, you know, woods that are, find here, that are found here locally that are abundant um, and are still look, you know, and still look good. Right. So uh, we did go with the Oregon black walnut for our uh, knife block and uh, for our, um, for our knives. Then we actually went with a, a big leaf maple burl and um, wood in general, you know, these are both hardwoods, but wood in general, and especially burl woods, um, they're not always the best choice for a knife handle because wood can shrink and swell and it can dry out on you. And, um, yeah, so there are a lot of issues that can happen with wood. So the way we counteract that, because nothing looks better or feels better than a wooden handle, is uh, we do a resin stabilization on it. So we put it in a vacuum chamber, suck out all the air, replace it with the hardenable resin, and then we bake it hard and it doubles in weight. Uh, It's very, very noticeable. I don't know if you saw it when you were at the factory. Um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, so it just makes it a much more durable product. It polishes better. It holds up better, less, you know, it's less, much less likely to shrink and swell. And it's still a natural product and looks, you know, and looks pretty. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just gorgeous. You know, how did you get into this, man? I mean, you're the co-founder here of this, of this beautiful company. How did you get into, into forging knives and, and get into this? Did it come from the kitchen? Yeah. Came out of, um, so my interest in knives in general just came out of necessity. Um, I'm not of, yeah, I'm not into, uh, I'm not into, you know, folding knives or swords or any of that, you know, tactical stuff. You know, I use them, I carry a pocket knife. I was in the military, you know, um, but, um, I did, um, cook for a living and, uh, I went to culinary school. Um, mm-hmm. I worked mainly in, uh, New York city, did that for about 10 years and just got really into, uh, knives. And I realized that, uh, the main reason that I like going to work is so I get to use my knives. Right. And, uh, yeah. knives are not fun to use unless they're sharp. So I, you know, so I started, you know, learning about sharpening, uh, it's a great, you know, uh, old school Japanese knife store in New York City that we would all go to and watch the sharpener. And then we'd go and we'd just mimic him. And so I just, yeah, so I, I started sharpening while I was cooking, started collecting knives while I was cooking. And um, yeah, after about 10 years, I have what I, um, I had what I call my early midlife crisis at 30 and uh, decided I want to get out of the kitchen. I want to work for myself. And I started um, knife sharpening. So I started a, a knife sharpening. I was living in uh, Phoenix, Arizona at the time. Um, mm-hmm. That turned into, you know, selling, uh, you know, Japanese knives. As far as I know, we have the largest collection of Japanese knives in the U.S. Uh, you know, chef uniforms, just all around, just 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 working with the same community that I was when I was cooking, uh, just in more of a support role. Um, so I was, uh, so yeah, I learned to specialize in uh, hand sharpening by Waterstone. Um, then uh, branched out to everything from straight razors um you know japanese convex salon shears uh, all those kind of more esoteric like specialty stuff um but i'm still i'm a food guy as much as i'm a knife guy if not more and i just love knives as they relate to food so um the more you i think any business that you get into the higher up you get the less you get to do of it right so i got out of cooking because 
I did I didn't get to, to touch food anymore. I had you know I was presented with the clipboard or not moving up right. Um, so exactly. um, knife sharpening was a way for me to get my hands dirty again. But then the more I was successful with knife sharpening, uh, the less knives I got to sharpen. You know, because then uh, I'm, I yep. moved here to Portland in uh, 2004 and opened another shop. And next thing you know, I'm doing more managing. And um, so I didn't get to sharpen as much. So um, I've been forging on the side as a hobby for about 10 years and uh, always had the dream of going full time. But nice. I had the very, uh, very fortunate situation of uh, just I was stuck doing what people wanted to pay me to do, you know, which is which is not a bad place to be, you know, as, as long as someone's willing to pay you. And, no, but, no. But yeah, so I just I, I always wanted to. Yeah, I always wanted to make more knives and, and uh, do that more. And it was just a way for me to blow off some steam. And um, 2019, I got, you know, uh, really deep back into forging again, because, you know, my business was doing all right without me. And uh, then I met my business partner, yep. Ron Cormay. Um, most people know him from uh, Fine X mm-hmm. Cast Iron fame. He's the co-founder of that. And uh, he was looking for a new project. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, we met, started talking knives. He was looking to get in the knife business. Um, I was, you know, looking for a way to go full-time uh, in this. And then we started talking and looking around the, the market. And um, most of these things were just kind of a pipe dream when we when we started like can we pull off you know a integral an integral bolstered forged knife on this you know yeah. on this level you know uh, the differential heat treatment like it was just like can we do it can we figure out how to do this um but yeah so it was just uh you know uh, again i'm you know as as you can tell i'm i'm kind of a talker but uh, I've been holding a knife in my hand for 25 years, and I feel like everything is just kind of led up to this, and this is the end result. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this seems to be just just the natural ending point. Yeah, it's great. And think about this. I mean, I sit here and look at this and go, "You guys started in 2019. It's still the end of 2022, and you guys are just at the infancy in doing such huge things out there. It's it's fascinating to me to see." How new and how far you've come already? I'm as surprised as anybody. Uh, let me tell you, <laughs> you know, and not even 2019. <laughs> we met in early 2020, and this was uh, started as a pandemic <sighs> hobby. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been trying to get into the New York Times food section. Uh, that's been like my, uh, it's been on my bucket list for 15 years, and now we've just been in it uh, three times in one year. Uh, you know, two different journalists. Um. You know, um, yeah, I mean, you name it. Um, so we've been, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm as, I'm as surprised as anybody. I mean, we've been, we've been, you know, working our butts off. So um, I'm, I'm just glad it's well received. And we're just trying to, we're just trying to keep up at this point. Oh, yeah. And, and you've got such a great collection of knives. It's not like you've got a, a thousand of them where you walk into the knife store. You have the, the basics that are right there, but they're so beautifully crafted with, you know, the, like the eight inch chef and the six inch chef and a paring knife and a bread knife. And then that beautiful slicing knife. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's the one for you, huh? Oh, that thing is amazing, man. That's, that's, that's that. I just see like hitting a roast with that. I, I'm in, you know, I'm in with that. 
Right on. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Believe me, I get it. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we didn't want to have any, again, we're, you know, we're pretty limited as far as, you know, uh, staff and production capacity. And we just didn't want to waste time on just a million different knives. You know, when you go and you buy a knife block somewhere, um, you know, there's, there's always knives that you don't need in there. Uh, you might be missing knives that you do need. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's no reason to have, you know, oh, there's, you know, three different size pairing knives in there and, uh, you know, three different size slicers and like, you know, like nobody needs that. Right. So, you know, we just looked at what are the yep. core knives. You know, we started out for the for the first year, we only had our eight inch chef um, because that is, you know, that is sure. the most important knife. So that's that's our flagship. That's what we want to launch with. Um, and then we looked at, OK, what are the other, you know, what are the basics? that you need like what are the knives that you can do everything with so we ended up with our five-piece set um i think my favorite knife is actually the bread knife um because uh, i've never seen anything like it Uh, people don't respect the bread knife yeah people don't respect the bread knife people you know people don't realize that an edge is an edge it still needs to have the same aspects you know it still has to just be you know sharpenable and you know hard steel and everything that you're looking in in any other knife um yeah so i feel like people you know the people who know how to make this type of knife uh, aren't able to do the serration and the people who can do the serration are not able to make this kind of bread knife um so it's just something that you just don't see you know or the people who who have the skills just don't care enough to do it um so i think yeah the, the bread knife turned out to be my favorite just because it's the most unique in the bunch and it's something that well you that know, edge uh, you put on yeah, that I mean, thing that edge is beautiful and it, thank you. Yeah, it's and it's and it's definitely functional. So we chose a um, we chose a wavy serration pattern um, as a point to your as a post to your pointy serration. So um, it cuts hard stuff just as well as any pointy serration, but it can also cut more gentle items, right? So if we're talking about bread, it'll cut your crustiest sourdough or your you know softest like you know brioche, right, or fava, um, mm-hmm. and so it's less crumb. And then it's more gentle on your cutting board. And then uh, if you use it as something more all-purpose, you know, uh, we have a lot of barbecue guys that buy the slicer because it's great for brisket. You know, if you have a, you know, a properly, you know, smoked brisket that has that hard bark on the outside, um, really juicy on the inside, really hard bark. uh, If you have a fine edge, it it, it just slides on there, right? So you're looking for something that can get mm-hmm. through that bark, but is not going to destroy all the meat inside. Uh, so again, that's 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 where the wavy serration comes in. So we found a lot of bakers, a lot of barbecue guys, Brilliant. just a lot of just people Brilliant. like me who I don't bake at home, but I eat a lot of bread. So ah, same here, man. I, I my wife bakes, I barbecue, I, we do a lot of bread here because she's Italian. So that's just how that works. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how that works. But I nice. love woodworking as well, man. There and you, you guys lucky. built that. That knife block is sexy. I'm using sexy a lot in this talk, but you know, it's, it, it is. And I've got this dark Japanese style block that has a thousand pieces for a thousand knives I'll never own, but this actually puts it on display and, and makes it where you can actually use it without hurting the edge. And yeah, you know, same care went into the knife block that did it to our knives. So again, everything, everything's us made local woods. And, um, it is a, um, it is, some would say, overbuilt. It is a 15-pound knife block. It is a pre- pretty serious, you know, piece of equipment, but it's not something that you carry around with you, so we felt fine with that. Um, but, yeah, so it, it, it has, you know, again, we think it looks good and it showcases your, your knives, right? If you have knives that you don't want to hide, 
Um, that's a good, you know, it's a good block for that. But mainly the functional aspect yep. is uh, because of the fold on the steel. It's an easel style block and the fold in the back, it just mm-hmm. allows you to just reach in and grab the knife naturally. Um, and it's not restrictive like other blocks. So most blocks that you get there, you know, just, um, if your blade is a little too wide or a little too long, or you have, you know, let's say you have all chef knives, you know, yeah. uh, blocks are always made. You have your one slot for the paring knife and your one slot for this, and maybe one, you know, two chef knives that you can put in there. Um, so this, you know, you can put everything, I mean, you can put, you know, 20 paring knives or three Chinese cleavers, right? It's up to you. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And I, what I like too is I always feel when I'm putting my knife into a slot in a knife block that I'm not doing any justice to the edge of that as well, especially with the, the thinner knives. And I'm always just rubbing that on the wood every time I put it in there if I'm not careful. Yeah, I don't think it has as much of an impact on the blade as much as on the wood. Um, so we see a lot of old okay. knife blocks. So, so that is a very common, you know, technically it is 100% true, right? The more your edge touches something, then the more it's going to dull. Um, if you have a good edge and a good knife, then it's not going to have as much of an impact on it. Um, we do see, you know, just like taking a couple extra, you know, slices on your board. Uh, we do see yep. knife blocks with a lot of just cut marks and wear marks going through the wood. Um, so it's actually, I feel like it's almost yeah. more destructive on your block than it is on, on your knife. And if it's not destructive on your block, it means that your knife is not sharp. You should do something about that. <laughs> There we go. There we go. And let's talk knife sharpening for a second here, just to get a little off subject of, of what you guys are building. Knife sharpening is such a key. And it's one of those things that I think that the, the typical American cook in a household doesn't take seriously enough because really you should be spending some time getting those knives sharpened or really spend the time and get the tools to learn how to do it correctly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a skill that we all used to have and we lost. You know, uh, I talked to a lot of people that have that story. It's like, oh yeah, my, you know, my dad or my or my grandfather. Like everybody has some old timer in their family that used to do the sharpening and now is not around or can't do it anymore. But it seems like you know that generation knew how to do it and recognized the value. And uh, again, I I also have a couple of, you know, knife sharpening businesses. I talk to people that they come in with three full sets of knives that they bought before they realize that they can get their knife sharpened even. Like, I'm not even joking about that. They come in and they're like, oh, yeah, well, I bought this set and I used it until it got dull. And then I bought this set. And then when I bought my third set, somebody says, why don't you just get them sharpened, right? Um, So um, we see a lot of that. We see a lot of what I call a... shame sharpening uh, around the, the holidays where if people come in and like, oh yeah, my daughter's coming to visit or my dad's coming over and and they always make fun of my knives. So I need to get these sharpened so I don't have to hear about it type of thing. Uh, but otherwise they don't think about it. But yeah, I mean, uh, knife sharpening is just, it's not, um, yeah, it shouldn't be as intimidating um, as people seem to think it is. Uh, it's a pretty basic skill and I encourage everybody to do their own sharpening. Right. And it's it's the only way to have a sharp knife. Um, and the idea with with just basic knife maintenance is not to let your knife get dull. So as soon as you don't like the way it cuts, then you literally spend, a, you know, 30 seconds on a honing rod. Uh, we, you know, I like to use ceramic because you are technically sharpening and it's not a destructive process. 
but if you just, you know, if you just never let your knife get dull, you can go years without having it, you know, professionally sharpened or putting it to a stone. Um, so once you've let it get dull, um, then, then you have to, you know, okay, do I get it sharpened by a professional or do I learn how to sharpen it? But the idea, if you're starting out with a sharp knife, just uh, anybody, not everybody can use a sharpening stone, but everybody can use a honing rod, you know, and the more you do it, the more yes. comfortable you get. Uh, you don't have to, you know, like people are like, okay, this, you know, this knife's supposed to have a 16 degree edge or something. And they're like, they're so intimidated by hitting that 16 degree edge. Now it doesn't matter if you're at 14 or if you're at 17, uh, the knife is going to take on your angles. And, um, and yeah, and, and, and then you don't have to think yep. about it again, because those are your angles. You'll, you're just going to go to them naturally. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, stay away from, stay away from any, um, gadgets. Let me put that out there. Uh, don't buy any of those draw through machines, any of those, you know, uh, chef choice style oh. electric grinders, even if they cost, you know, $150, it doesn't mean that they're good. Um, no. Yep. They're just, uh, they're very destructive. Uh, yeah, very, very de- destructive. I, I like to say that they don't, they, they don't benefit anybody, uh, but the person that sold it to you and that's only financially. So <laughs> really bad for knives. Yeah, really. I've noticed in, in, in just learning how to do it myself that the only time you really have to get concerned about angles is when you're literally getting the stones out and really starting to actually like fix a blade that's been chipped or something like that versus just, you know, sitting in the kitchen and knocking it out real quick with the steel. Yeah. If, if you, if you're using coarse stones or anything super abrasive, then yeah, you, you definitely have to be careful. You have to know what you're doing. Um, you know, again, with honing rod, as long as you're in the general range, and it just takes, I mean, it, it literally takes, you know, 30 seconds to teach you everything you need to know about honing. There's just not much to it. It's, you have to alternate sides. Um, you have to do the entire blade and, uh, and you have to be in the general range and consistent with your angle, you know, and the problems that we see is, um, for some reason, I think if you do one of those man on the street type interviews, if yes, somebody, what angle a knife has, um, most people say 45 degrees. And uh, I don't know where that came from. Um, I think it might be the combined angle, both sides on a European style knife. But 45 degrees is just, um, it is way too, you know, way too big an angle for anything besides a meat cleaver or an axe. Those are the only things that get to 45 degrees. Yeah. So if you have a knife, you know, that is going to be in the 15, 20 degree, you know, range. Um, if you do put that 45 degree on it, you're, you're basically just dulling it every time or you're putting a very, very temporary edge on it. So that's why I always say, as long as you're in that general range, right? If you stay in that, like, you know, if you don't go over your 20 degrees, uh, 25 degrees for your thickest, you know, German style knives, then, then yeah, you'll be fine. And, and you're not doing any damage that can't be fixed. Right. So worst thing that you can do is you put the wrong angle, you take the edge off your knife and then you go and pay $5 to have it sharpened and you're back in business. There you go. Yeah. Very, very crucial skill. Man, I, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. it is. It is. I I can't let you go to here without talking about those wood sheaths you guys made for your knives. This is probably the most amazing thing I've seen in knives in recent history out of any company in the world that I've seen of how you built these there is nothing more well thought out than this. I was so stunned when I saw this down at your, uh, it's your showroom factory there. No, right on. 
Right on. Yeah. So that is, um, you know, so I guess in, um, yeah, in full disclosure, that is, you know, a sheath style that we did adapt from the Japanese, right? But we just made some improvements on it. Um, so, you know, we talked about knife blocks. Uh, your, mm-hmm. your knife has to be protected, right? So whether it's a wood-covered magnet, um, you know, a traditional style block, an indrawer, something, it, it definitely ha- – you have to protect the edge so it doesn't knock into anything else. It doesn't cut you. There's uh, a million reasons to, to do that. Not everybody wants a knife block. Not everybody has a use for a knife block. Uh, if you're a minimalist, you just have a couple of knives, you might just want to throw a sheath on them and put them in the drawer. Uh, or if you're, you know, cook for a living and you take your knives with you back and forth every day, then they definitely need to be covered because um, those knife rolls that you see the chefs with, uh, they're not cut proof. They're just for carrying the knives. So you still have to protect that. Um, so, yeah, we decided to go with the, with the uh, wooden sheath, which is, you know, um, basically a Japanese style saya cover. Uh, but with mm-hmm. a couple of improvements. So um, one we used, um, you know, we still use maple. Uh, we use Oregon maple for it. Um, and what we do is uh, to keep it looking, um, well, to make it look a little bit better, but also keep it looking cleaner is we toast the maple. It's a caramelized maple. So it looks like walnut, uh, but it isn't. It's just it's yeah. a toasted maple on it. And then I guess the main thing is with the Japanese-style sayas, you have a retention pin. And the first thing you're going to lose in your life is a retention pin from from your sheath. I mean, I know cooks that have gone through 20 of them, right? And they get Absolutely. sick of buying replacement pins. They, you know, they, yeah, they put safety pins and, you know, uh, cut pieces off chopsticks and put that in there. And, you know, and so what we did is we have, we have a magnet um, that holds the sheath on your knife and it's recessed and it's on the spine. So it's never going to come into contact with your knife. It's not going to, you know, scuff it or anything, uh, but it's strong enough to hold it on there. And then you don't have to worry about, you know, you just don't have to worry about losing anything. That is, you know, it is, it is a, you know, it is a one part product, right? Um, yeah. And then we have those for all our knives. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and again, some people have the block and they still get one or two for, um, you know, for uh, traveling, you know, if they go to Aryan, uh, Airbnb or they go stay on the coast for a week or something, uh, you know, you, you, yep. I've never seen an Airbnb with a sharp knife there in my life. Um, you know, so a lot of people just take their knives with them. Never. They, they don't exist. Have the sheet. Smart. So where do you see you guys going here for 2023? I know it's December now and we're, we're getting, you know, into the end of the year here, but uh, what's on your plans for 2023? Anything you can talk about yet? Um, I mean, not, nothing major uh, that I could talk about. We always have plans. We're, we're always thinking ahead. Right? Um, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're right now we're just trying, uh, um, again, we're just trying to keep up. So um, I, f- I feel like no one has the time to like take a breath and think about it until the end of the year once we got through. You know, uh, we got, we're in, uh, we're in 60 plus retailers around the country right now. And uh, up until now, we've just been busy uh, supplying our retailers. And now we're getting all the customer orders. And so, yeah, right now we're just kind of fighting for our lives, trying to, you know, trying to keep up. And, you know, after New Year's or so, we'll sit down, we'll, you know, have a whiskey, sit around and, and figure out what yep. we can do next. And, you know, whether it's, you know, and adding to our lineup, um, you know, looking at more accessories, um, 
uh, yeah, we don't we we don't know yet, but we do know that we'll be making it here in Portland and and uh, you know and and still you know pushing boundaries. I love it. I love it. So where the, if someone's going to go out and buy your knives, of course they can go to your website, which is you know the steelportknife.com, But what kind of retailers across you know because we've got people all across the country listening to this and just about every market out there. Where can people find your 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 beautiful knives? Uh, yes, I would recommend, um, you know, if you want to buy in person and that's, you know, I do recommend that because, you know, all our knives are slightly different. You know, Burlwoods are, you know, uh, no two are the same. Uh, we have handles that come from the same tree that don't look like the same species even, you know, uh, so they're all unique. They're all different. Uh, you never know what's going to speak to you. Um, you know, um, if you have your, um, you know, the heat treatment, you know, the temper line looks slightly different. So if you if you want to pick out your own knife and if you're able to go see one of our retailers and just go on our website uh, under retailers, there's there is a map and it'll, it'll give you a whole list. Um, we're at all the good specialty knife shops, I, I would say, around the country. Um, nice. And then we also have a national retailer with uh, Sur La Table. So if you don't have a specialty store, uh, you know, you might have a Sur La Table. We're uh, not at all their stores. We're at all their A stores, though. Uh, but again, if you go on the list cool. and just put in your zip code, then that'll, that'll tell you. Uh, you definitely, you're able to buy direct from us. And uh, if you're in Portland, um, then we have, um, we have open hours uh, six days a week now at the factory. We're in, yeah, we're in Northeast Portland, 36 and Sandy. Uh, but if you go on steelportknife.com, uh, it'll, it'll tell you all the, uh, info. We, we have a lot of events that we do too, with, uh, you know, partners that we like, you know, we bring in fine X and, you know, uh, Western whiskey and grand for brewing and, uh, a, lo- a lot of other Portland makers that we like. So you'll find events on that, um, you know, sharpening classes. Um, so yeah, if you just go on their website, there's a lot of info. If you just want to learn more about knives in general, forging heat treat, we have a blog section. And, uh, but yeah, if you're, if you, if you're local, come see us. We like, we, we like talking to night people and food people. You can see, I mean, you guys are just making knives, man. There's nothing, there's no big dog and pony show. You're just making knives down there and, <laughs> and, uh, for everybody to see. So I love it. Uh, hell, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It was good having you down there and come see us again too. And if you need help with your knife sharpening. All right, man. Thanks for coming on the show today. Everybody head over to steelportknife.com. Take a look at it. Get these things in your hands because I tell you what, you won't be disappointed. I'm Eric G and you've been listening to Around the House. Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.